Hey, Lurid listeners, would you like a free audiobook? Follow us on Twitter at the KMQ, then tag us in a tweet with I Heart the KMQ, and we'll send you the audiobook of your choice from our Audible Library. Eroticism is important. It influences and energizes our entire human experience. Eroticism isn't sex. It's sexuality transformed by our imaginations. We encourage lurid listeners to cultivate eroticism, to play with it, smack it, and rub it down. We want you to enjoy yourselves, your partners, and your sexuality. You are entitled to your sexual self. This show is for adults only and contains erotic stories that sometimes feature provocative characters and intense themes and situations spanning so many literary genres, including action-adventure, science fiction, romance, horror, fantasy, paranormal. Please, listen responsibly. listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. I am your host, Rose Carraway, and joining me in the studio is Big Daddy Dave Carraway. Say hey, Big Daddy. Hey, hey, what's up? We are gonna be featuring a story today that's gonna kind of change up your point of view, I think. Um, it's <laughs> maybe it's not going to change your point of view. Maybe it will. It'll definitely change your point of view. Yeah. Um, we're going to play with a story that's that's written in the second person point of view, to be exact. And this is the story that was the inspiration for our anthology in Medias Res, which all of these stories are written in the second person point of view, uh, which is super fun for me. And today's story is written by the lovely Sunny DeSoto, uh, who, by the way, is an incredible seamstress. Uh, she does all kinds of uh, cosplay costumes, so you should check her out on Twitter. I will give you her Twitter address later, but she's she's good people, uh, and she writes freaking hot stories. Uh, so, odd man. Um, what is this second person point of view? Well, it's a story that puts you, the reader and or slash the listener in the story. Like you are the main character. And whenever Big Daddy and I put a call out for our another anthology for the men and the women who love them, uh, this was one of the submissions that we got. And immediately I I told Dave, we have to publish this one. It is so good. It's written in second person point of view and it sucked me into all of the characters, especially the main character. Um, and there's some angst in this, which I think only uh, accentuated the, the second person point of view. I, it was like candy for me. Uh, and as a person who has narrated a bazillion erotic stories and edited half a bazillion, that's kind of hard to do, you know, to to really grab me right away. You know, we all, when we put those calls out, say, we want a story that captivates you. Well, like this one literally did. It captivated me and inspired us to do an entire anthology in second person point of view. So I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, but... For us dummies, can you 
re-explain what second person point of view is. So first person is like I, like I went to the store today. Second person is you went to the store today. You opened your car door. It puts, it injects you into the story. Uh, I'm sure there's someone out there who can explain it a little bit better, but basically you are the main character. Whoever the author has designed this main character to be, it is you. Uh, So you are connected to everything that happens within this story, I think in a much more colorful way, in a much more emotional way. It paints you on the canvas that is the tale. Mm -hmm. Um, It's unique and a lot of people shy away from it. A lot of people don't like it because it's it's challenging. I think it's hard. Yeah. I'm going to say it's even challenging to sort of, challenging may not be the right word, but it doesn't come naturally mm-hmm. to hear or listen or read uh, a, a story from the second perspective. It takes a moment to yeah. kind of get your head in that space. But what I really like about it is this sense of kind of a virtual reality experience. Like you're on one hand, you're kind of along for the ride. And on the other hand, you are the ride. That's fun and interesting. And uh, it's not common. And yeah. I think I think that's pretty awesome. I like that we did that. Yeah, me too. Um, you're you're on you're riding the ride. You know, we go to we seek out erotica because we want we want to be swept away. You know, a lot of the romance books out there they sweep you away, and you're you're in this fairy tale type setting. Well, this book, it it immediately right out of the gate, you're in this story. There is a little adjustment period, but. It really hit a button for me, and may, I don't know. Maybe another, I'll do another second-person point of view anthology. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me to write my story that I did for in Medias Res, but it was fun. I loved it. You know, and the other thing is, well, I probably should have said this. Third person. Everybody is used to. Most people write in third person. That's the he. They, you know, Sarah walked into the store john opened the door for her that third third person is like kind of detached from the story you're like in the audience it's like if this was a play or whatever like you know even though in the book you're in the setting that they're set the author Mm -hmm. is setting you're still in the background you're just watching it like you're overseeing everything that's happening you're knowing what's in their head Mm -hmm. uh, like all the characters heads not just the one person Mm -hmm. like yeah it's it's cool. It's I think fun. so too. Yeah. And I, I think it's underutilized. I agree. So my advice to you, lovely lurid listeners, is as you are listening to this story, get somewhere where you'll have no distractions. Like give yourself the best opportunity to get sucked off. I mean, sorry, suck <laughs> in. <laughs> because I, I really want you to appreciate it the way that I did. It was unexpected. You know, we're, we're setting you up for it, which is you're you're getting more than I did, but go somewhere quiet, put your earbuds in, turn the volume up loud enough that you can't hear anything outside, close your eyes and listen. Give it its best shot. This one deals with a little bit of anxiety. It deals with a little bit of frustration. You know, these characters are dealing with something where there's some conflict that they have to work through. And it is from... Um, you are in the the role of the male character, um, but you're going to feel all of the lovely things. And there's a lot of push and pull and, and 
um, it's so worth it. And I, I, I think more of you are going to love it than not. But um, but it may not be for everybody, and that's okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, we'll get you on the next one because we know <laughs> uh, you're going to have fun with that too. So, yeah. um, so again, get to a quiet place, put your earbuds in, maybe get, you know, your favorite beverage, whatever. Or even better, maybe if you have a partner, both listen to it at the same time. Yeah, that's awesome. I think you'll have fun. And then you'll have something to talk about for sure, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys. Here you go. Here is Odd Man, written by Sonny DeSoto, featured in For the Men and the Women Who Love Them, edited by me, Rose Carraway, published by Stupid Fish Productions. things in life that you will never plan, but still have to live with anyway. You'll think, as you drive, that this is just another one of those things that must be muddled through, one step at a time. You'll be so sure that, once you're in the middle of it, it won't be so hard. You will, of course, be wrong. The car's silence will irk you. You need noise at the best of times, if just to drown out the nagging reservations you'll have left unspoken. Because you love her. You'll flip on the radio with more impatience than required. You won't know quite why. She'll sigh or tap her fingers impatiently. She needs her noise, too. She'll look wrong in your car, an anachronistic legend like Andromeda or Athena, crouched, uncomfortable in your cramped Corolla. You'll wonder, not for the first time, what she's doing here, with you. And then it'll hit you. She's not with you. Sitting in your car next to you, she won't be with you, not really. You'll be her driver, her ride, just a fellow passenger. You won't be her husband, She won't be your wife. With that bitter thought on your tongue, your music and her tapping will fill the car like a conversation you've never really had but almost had a thousand times over. You've not talked about it to death. You'll like him, she'll tell you, as you arrive at Donovan's, the private club you'd always thought of as your place, a place where the two of you could always come together. He's a great guy. Don't say anything. Don't even make a sound. Really, there isn't a good response to this. Be nice, she'll admonish in that tone that makes you feel five. Really, she'll insist a slightly disgruntled sulk morphing her mythically beautiful face. He is. You'll see. She'll pause as she tries to reach for your hand, her quick, perky smile seeming plastered and full of plastic hope. But I love you, 
you'll spend far too much time wondering what she means by that, trying to solve the word problem seemingly scrabbled in that phrase. You'll waste hours, days, entire lifetimes wondering if a three-letter word negates a four-letter one. Don't. Just don't. Your hand will slip like sand through her grip as you both push through the dense, happy-hour crowd, leaving her holding nothing. Her frown, beautiful pouty lips, will kill you. It will also change nothing. You'll know the second she sees him, her eyes, sweet and soulful, a brown as rich and dark as the earth, will light up like they used to for you. She'll rush through the crowd toward him, leaving you to be swallowed up by the throng. But she loves you. You'll stand there, dumbstruck, as they make their way back to you, her hand in his. Your teeth will grind, a sharp screech in your head. Your nails will dig small crescent-shaped resentments into your palm, like braille, as your fists form. You'll want to hit him, end him. Shake his hand instead as she makes introductions. He'll have a stupid name, something fake-sounding that couldn't possibly be real, or maybe a bastardization of a given name, like Deke or Finn or Wen or Rand. He'll be bigger than you, of course. Comfort yourself in the fact that, at least, you're better looking, you think. He looks expensive, you'll think, as you take in the muscled wall of black silk and leather. Tall, dark, tailored, manicured. He'll look like an honest-to-God, spitting image, leather-bound dom. You'll look like a CPA. They'll talk, trade compliments and jokes you neither understand nor care to. You'll tune it out as you signal a waitress. Order a drink. It'll make you feel better. Until you notice that your wife and Rand have left. You'll think about leaving the club. She's got Rand, you'll think. I'm unnecessary at this point. Superfluous. Spare. One man too many. You'll think of your bed, the bed you've shared with her for six years, and long to huddle warm under its covers. But you know you'll head to the dungeon, because you love her. And she loves you, you think. Besides, if you leave, you'll leave her with Rand. You'll imagine her leaving with him, going to his home, going to his bed. You'll picture her writhing around with him in expensive, perfect sheets, not stained by midnight snacks or pre-washed pets. You'll imagine him taking an interminable time with your wife, not rushed after late nights at the office or sluggish before early morning runs. Stop this immediately. Bite the bullet and head to the dungeon. You'll feel like shielding yourself, mussing your hair in your face, maybe, so no one you know will see you. Every face you pass will take on shades of family and friends, their faces filled with contempt, judgment, cruel laughter, or worse, pity. Take a drink, a deep one, maybe two. You'll feel every eye on you as you enter the room, 
The collective turn of their heads will sound deafening to you. You'll curse every Norwegian gene in your body that makes you flesh choir boy red. You'll think you hear snickers, some sniggering gossip being spouted behind you as you move. You'll see them together, sitting as they wait for an open space. She'll wave at you, wave you over. Your brain will stall. Your lip will curl as your body literally revolts at the thought of sitting there while you all wait. The weight of your discomfort and the suffocatingly crowded space pressing all three of you tightly together. Take another sip, then suck it up and sit with them. But you won't, and you know it. Instead, with a casualness that fools only you, you'll shake your head and stand far off. She'll frown again, her lips better suited for a smile, or a kiss will wilt. You'll wonder how to fix this. But then he'll whisper in her ear and make her smile again. Problem fixed. Take a drink. The booze will buzz you enough to not notice as they step up to an open space, even though nothing can dull the sound of her laughter, like bubbling joy, as he leads her forward. The room will glow red as you see his hands on her, as he pushes her, practically shoves her, down onto the kneeling bench, her slim, willowy waist connecting hard against the edge, stealing her breath. About to step in, you'll stop as her gaze, direct and denying, hits yours, her head shaking as her glorious curls shudder with the slight shake of her head. You'll step back, even though it feels wrong. You'll do it because you love her. Remember, you love her. You'll force your stiff muscles to stand down. You'll force your ready feet to still. You'll tell your eyes that they're seeing lies, watching a game, talked about and agreed upon. You'll try to tell your heart and your head that this is what she wants. He will strip her in a humiliating fashion. He'll rip, rend, and ruin her clothes from her, bear her beauty like trash to the room full of spectators. You'll grimace as she's roughly handled, grabbed at with careless, hard paws that bruise and batter. You'll think it impossible that someone, anyone, could look at the goddess before them and abuse her. But you'd be wrong. He will strike her, her shoulders, her back, her ass, her legs. He'll use his hands, those calloused and hardened slabs of meat, a long-tailed beast of a whip that bites at her beautiful skin, a long wooden paddle that mars the golden sheen of her flesh. All the while, you'll hear her cries, her sobs, her pleas. And feeling bound, trapped, tied to the wall, you won't be able to help her, held still by your word. You'll see her tears and feel your own threatened behind unblinking eyes. You'll peer closer, worried that things have gone too far, farther than you should have let them ever go. You will regret this. The telltale signs, the sighs that escape her Cupid's bow lips, the heated flush of her flesh, 
the arch and curve of her body as it stretches for ecstasy, will all be there, plain as if on display. All the show of struggle and the play of pain will vanish, melt under the light of your scrutiny. Her breasts, heavy and full, will thrust out, begging for a touch that he'll give, stinging as it pinches, that you never gave and you're not sure you ever could. Your eyes will try to deny, seek to blind themselves to the fact that there, between her tense and taut thighs, will be a peak of wetness gathered along the impossibly soft skin. Your heart and cock will twitch. She'll scream and sound agonized and orgasmic, a familiar, undeniable sound. You'll feel it like a slice to the heart as that seductive sound reaches out to stroke the men in the room. The knife you feel chest deep will twist as her body tenses under Rand's rough contact, so different from your own careful, meticulous touch. Brace yourself for the betrayal. It will hurt but not nearly as hard as the need burning involuntary inside. A Pavlovian reaction to the sight and sound of her pleasure. A pantalone violation, your own body's added element, the very last damning ingredient to your public humiliation. The same scorch of desire incinerating you, will light with lust in the eyes of the crowd as they watch her naked form twist and thrust mindlessly, helplessly against Rand's relentless hands. Your eyes won't be able to ignore as men touch and adjust and appease erections, rising as she pants and pleads. Your dry eyes will tear as you feel their need like your own, as you listen to her beg for release. Leave. Please get up and leave the room. Exit the club if you can. If not, get another drink. Get two more. Bathe your blood in it so that maybe when she finds you at the bar, you won't feel her disappointment and fury like daggers at your back. When she turns to apologize to Rand with a kind, consolatory hand to his shoulder as he frowns with disappointment, Try not to look too proud at the bright idea that wasn't exactly yours. No one likes a gloater. And it will just make you feel worse when you see them share a long, lingering goodbye kiss. Their lips and tongues, their hands and bodies will touch. Your hand will clench at glass as he touches her hair, his fingers tangling in the voluminous curls. You'll watch his other hand, the massive mitt, cup her cheek possessively, as if she's his. You'll hear your wife, your love, your life, laugh softly, conspiringly, sure it's at your expense as you wait for her to finally return to you. When she does, relinquish your keys readily. It is her car, too. And while not drunk, you're not drunk. You won't be able to safely say you could get home in one piece, or at least not pulled over. And you won't need a ticket to top off the night. 
You'll stumble a bit as you get off the bar stool. She'll try to help you, only to be shoved away. You're not drunk. You don't need her help. So you'll walk on without her, taking extra care not to trip. In silence, she'll follow, her feet barely making a sound as she moves. You'll lead her like Eurydice through the dimly lit halls, unable to turn back or look at her at all. She'll make a few half-hearted efforts to talk. Are you okay? She'll ask as her quiet steps quicken. Yep, you'll say. You seem angry. She'll counter, her voice small and weak, an oral wraith barely audible behind you. Nope. We can talk about it, she'll suggest, unease and unwillingness quivering her tone. If you want. Nothing to say. And there won't be. What do you say to that? What words can fix what feels so broken? Get in the car. Don't slam the door. Don't turn on the radio. Say nothing. Let the deafening, stifling silence between you say everything. You'll resent the roar of the engine, the sound of the tires against the road. The insistent bleat of the blinker will set your teeth on edge. Even the soft sound of her breaths will feel deliberate and act against the stance, the wall you're building between you. You'll look at her out of the corner of your eye. You shouldn't. You know you shouldn't, but you will. She's too beautiful for words, so lovely that sometimes you feel helpless before her. You've loved her for seven years, from almost the moment you met. Since the moment she turned your way, the moment she opened her mouth, touched your hand, spoke your name. She had you. For seven years, you've been hers. Completely, wholly, unwaveringly. She'll look at you from across the console, her eyes just flickering toward you as she worries her full bottom lip. Your eyes will meet. She'll smile, just a wobbly curve of her mouth, before she reaches out to take your hand. You'll yank it back. You won't want to, but you will. How could you not? When touching her, feeling her skin that touched his touching you, seems wrong somehow. How can you touch her, look at her, or even be around her right now, when she, your wife, the love of your life, doesn't feel like she's yours anymore? When the connection you'd never doubted in all the years you've known her has suddenly become one-sided. You'll feel tied to her, inextricably bound, but she. You'll wonder what ties her to you. What made you ever think you could keep someone like her? That you would ever be enough? Your mind and senses will reach for her, blindly trying to find the woman she used to be. But the woman sitting next to you won't be her anymore. Won't be the wife you love, the wife who loved you. You'll look at her. Her hair must from his hands, bruises left on her once flawless skin like his signature or brand. Even the rips in her clothes, a reminder of his presence like a ghost in the car. 
Your breath will choke on the scent of him, some high-end musk that smells of money and hot, aroused man that lingers smothering on her flesh. She'll reach out again to touch your thigh, and pressed against your body, you'll feel him. His hand, his touch, it'll mock you. Even as she soothes her skin along the line of your thigh, it'll be his hand delivering a last placating blow, a consolatory pat for the loser. Gratitude will rush you as the car approaches your home. You'll jump out of the car, unwilling to be locked in a vehicle with a stranger anymore, imitating an intimacy that no longer exists. If it ever did, you'll cross the threshold of your home alone, thinking about all the times you said you loved her. As your dog, a barking, bounding mass of furred faithfulness, follows close at your feet, you'll think about all the times she said she loved you. You'll remember your wedding day, the day you moved in together, your first date. And in that moment, none of it will feel real. It'll reel through your head as if it had happened to someone else, some story someone told you, or a movie you'd once seen. You'll head straight to the shower, stripping off clothing as you go, leaving them strewn on the carpet and stairs like breadcrumbs, leaving the dog on the other side of the door to sniff at the discarded clothes. You'll enter the bathroom, naked, stepping into the tub and turning the hot water on all the way. Don't touch the cold faucet. It'll just make it harder to scald away the memories left, like a grimy film on your skin. Scrub hard. Harder. As hard as you can. Just don't expect it to help. You'll stand against the tile, your head landing with a hard thud against the wall. The water will burn, each drop like a bullet as it strikes your skin. It'll feel good, or at least better than the rest of the evening, as it clears your mind, erases the night. In that moment, everything will cease to exist. It'll just be your body, a near-mindless shell, and the cleansing fall of water. A need raging through your body will fire. Your hand will reach for your cock, hard and hot and slick from the spray. You'll stroke, doing whatever it takes to stave off thoughts of her, of him, of them. You'll grunt, failing as your teeth grit and your muscles tense. Your grip, too rough, too hard, too tight. It'll feel like a punishment. Stop. What's the point? When you know you won't come. When satisfaction is an impossibility. You'll blame her. It will feel like her fault. She'll have changed your whole world in a moment, making lies of your life of your love, making your own body a loathsome, unwanted stranger to you. As you listen to the muffled howls, painful, empathic cries coming from the backyard, you'll want to scream, to shout, to cry. Instead, you'll let the smooth, slippery bathroom tile press cold as comfort against your forehead, your chest, your hardened flesh as your back burns. Close your eyes and let everything else wash away. Feel the filth, your world, what's become of it, sluice off you. Maybe watch as it circles down the drain. 
after an hour, maybe more, whenever the water starts to cool, you'll get out from under the spray. That's when the thoughts will flood your mind again. You'll wonder what the last seven years have meant, what they've added up to. You'll wonder when exactly your world changed. At what point did a single night seem to erase seven years of happiness? You won't bother with a towel as you pad barefoot and bare out of the bathroom and into the bedroom. You'll pause in the doorway at the sight of her. Your wife. The love of your life. She is so beautiful. Your heart will clench in a crushing grip as you take in her crouched position as she clutches your shirt in her fists, her shoulders shaking as her hair, that wild tumble of curls, spills around her face and shoulders as you watch tears slide down her face, falling in fat drops onto the comforter. You won't know what to do. So you'll stand there, struck, in the door's archway. You'll suck in a breath as she looks up at you, her eyes wet and red. You'll look away, your hands moving frantic and embarrassed in front of yourself as you feel your nakedness acutely. She'll look directly, unwaveringly, into your eyes. I love you, she'll say, her voice hard and tensely drawn as a notched arrow. But right now, she'll shake her head, frustrated, furious. I feel like I don't even know you. You'll balk. She doesn't know me, you'll think. You'll still be the man she married, the man she's known for seven years. You won't have changed. You'll have been the one thing in your world that will feel exactly, foolishly, the same. The way you look at me, she'll say, her voice cracked by sobs so sharp they'll break. She'll shake her head, hung low and shamed. I feel like you're seeing me, seeing the real and whole and honest parts of me that I've kept hidden for so long, been afraid to let show for so long, even to you and you. She'll sigh and shrug defeated shoulders, making you and your once righteous rage feel like a weight bearing down on her slim, graceful frame. Hate it, are disgusted by it. She will look up at you with those eyes, the eyes of the children you always dreamed of having, and whimper, are disgusted by me. You will feel like an ass. Look at her. Really look. See her for who she is. See the girl she was when you met, the exciting, adventurous, wild child you found so intriguing. See the woman you married, the woman you've built a life and plans and dreams with. See the woman you promised to share everything with and who promised you the same. See her now, broken and bowed, ashamed and afraid, in front of you. You'll go to her, sit on the bed you've shared for years, and just stare. She is so beautiful. You'll reach out to touch her, just the wet curve of her cheek, and yes, it will feel different, and no, you won't ever be able to go back to the way it used to be. But you can go forward, 
if you want. You'll try a kiss, just a small one, close-lipped and brief. It'll feel sweet, heightened and new as junior high. You'll back away, bated breath catching as you swallow deeply. You'll blink. She'll sigh, a small, shaky smile touching her lips. Kiss those lips again, a little deeper this time. Perhaps let your tongue slide, slick across them. Touch her face, her neck, her skin soft against yours. Let your hand sift through the waves of her hair. Feel it flow over your flesh. Her hand will come to rest on your chest, will press tight as if she could feel the thundering pound of your heart. I love you, she'll tell you. I do. You'll feel the nagging doubt creep inside. Block it. The need for those words, the need to believe in their truth and worth, will be more important. I love you, she'll say again, as she kisses you, this time her hand running down your chest and lower. You'll hiss, your body jerking as her hand closes around your cock. Let her stroke you. Let her drive you to the edge of your desire. Let her touch, drown out the anger and the fear and the worry. You'll groan as she climbs onto your lap, on her knees before you, above you. She'll look into your eyes, her brown eyes heated and soft, as she lowers herself onto you. You'll grip her waist, the tight, wet feel of her pussy, perfect, pleasure beyond words. She'll rise up, her back bowed as she throws back her head. You'll look at her, awed and aroused. She's Diana. She's Daphne. She is divine and deified. You will hold her, ethereal and unreal, in your base and profane hands. It will make you feel like a god. In a surge, you'll grip her around her waist, your arms strong and sure about her as you pull. With a shocked gasp, her whole body will tighten as you flip her on her back. Nothing will ever feel so good as her wide, hungry grin against your lips. She'll wrap herself around you, her arms around your shoulders as her nails dig into your skin. Her legs will curve around your back as you push and thrust into her. Even her neck will try to bury her head in your shoulder as she screams, muffled and moaning, into you. She'll sound wild, uncontrolled, unleashed and unabashed. She'll cling to you as she bucks, riding you as you drive your dick deep. She'll come as you kiss her, swallowing her ecstasy as she screams. You'll moan as your tongue tastes, as your lips sip at the smooth, sweet sound of her cries. You'll follow her, pulled over the edge as she falls, the sound and feel of her pleasure almost too much to bear, shattering even as you squeeze tightly, keeping each other together. You'll hold each other tight as you both come apart. 
As the world writes itself again, you'll caress her back. She'll lay her hand against your racing heart. I love you, she'll tell you. Say it too. Mean it too. It won't solve everything. It will not fix the broken parts inside you. But for this night, in this moment, at least, let her be yours again. Sonny DeSoto is a Minnesotan kinkster of color who's been on the odd end of open relationships before. She's learned that, more often, damaging scars come from the end of a sentence, not the end of a whip. So be kind because, while relationships of all kinds are difficult, she's learned they can be worth the effort, too. An escape artist at heart, DeSoto enjoys consuming stories of all kinds and cosplaying the fictional loves of her life. All right, you guys, we hope you enjoyed today's story. That was Odd Man, written by the amazing Sunny DeSoto. You guys should definitely follow her on Twitter at Sunny underscore D-E. If you aren't following us on Twitter already, please do so right now at the KMQ so that you don't miss out on any of our audiobook giveaways. We are giving away a ton of audiobooks. In fact, if you tweet us, I heart the KMQ, we will send you maybe a couple of audiobooks of your choice from our Audible library. No, maybe about it. All the people who tweet us that say, I heart KMQ, you're getting to. I mean, does it not get better than that? It's summertime almost. It's road trip time. Stock up. If you want more sexy stories and would like to support the show, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Remember to leave us a review so that more lurid listeners like you can find us. Audio production by Big Daddy Dave Caraway. The KMQ would like to thank these wonderful musical artists, Kai Engel, Psychic, and the feature credit song Acrylic by Fog Lake. KMQ introduction music by Vivich. The Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by For the Men and the Women Who Love Them. Edited by Rose Carraway. Published by Stupid Fish Productions. Stupid Fish. Watch! What was the movie we just watched? With, um... Uh, Foxy Brown. Oh, my God. Coffee. Coffee. C-O-F-F-Y. Stop what you're doing after you listen to this episode. After you leave us a review, in fact. And go to Amazon Prime if you've got it and watch Coffee on your guys' date night. Oh, my effing God. It is hot as hell. There, it's fun. It is so fun. And she is freaking God so damn. smoke show. <laughs> yeah, she, she is. She really is hot. I get, like. The whole Pam Greer thing. Pam Greer. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, I was like, damn.